Well, good morning. So good to see everyone. Hopefully you're doing well. Uh, my name is Kyle. I want to welcome you uh, to worship with us this morning. Hopefully you've had a good week. Uh, Wednesday, of course, was uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, I thought I'd just take a moment to share with you my favorite Valentine's Day card I saw all week. Let's just go ahead and let that go up there. Too soon? I think not. I think not. Uh, we are um, getting into our second week in the book of Acts, Empowered. We're really going to kind of break this book up into three parts uh, over the next uh, several weeks out, but just right now, really excited to be in week two with you. Um, as we are specifically talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, so much throughout the book of Acts and his work within our lives and within the church. Uh, I just want to take a moment to be really frank and honest with you. Uh, the Holy Spirit didn't really rule and reign in our house this morning. It was a spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And as much as I'd like to blame my kids, uh, I was in the middle of all of it. Um, uh, it was over something really, really big, the dishes. And you think I'm making it up, I'm not. And um, anyway, it just kind of went from there. And, you, you know, so my wife and I, I'm not, we, we literally had to pray and hug it out before we came. And you're thinking we probably did that at 5 a.m. like spiritual people. Uh, no, this was like at 9.55 a.m. this morning. We should have already been here. 8.55 a.m., yeah, 8.55 a.m., whatever. And uh, we should have already been here, and, um, but anyway, we had to get some things right with God first and uh, have a good talk with our kids on the way, um, mostly for me. So I'm just saying all to say to you, I'm not here today because I deserve to be. I'm here because I need to be. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're like, I really don't deserve for you to be here today. It's okay. But you need to be here. And today, as we attempted to sing and to worship, I'm all clogged up, I can't even sing today, and as we open God's word, I pray that God will just rule and reign in our hearts and in this place today as we look to see what he has to say to us. I want to remind you of something today that we said last week that I think is really important as we lean into scripture, in particular the book of Acts uh, to not read, to look at, to study the book of Acts as scholars. By that, as a scholar, okay, you open your mind and you receive it all and your brain kind of grows a little bit and your knowledge grows. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's please not merely approach the book of Acts as scholars. Instead, let's approach the book of Acts as soldiers. You see, soldiers look at things they can learn from so they can just sharpen the edge that they have when they go out to carry out their mission. And you and I, God's people, we have a mission. We are soldiers. We are called to carry it out. And so as we're looking in the book of Acts, may it do nothing but just embolden us and help us and sharpen our skills as we go to carry out our mission. We're really going to be focused on Acts chapter 2 this morning, but I want to go back and look at Acts chapter 1 verse number 8, which we looked at last week uh, to help us kind of pick up and then get back into where we are with Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. 
Jesus is speaking. This is the last words of Jesus before he goes up in the clouds to be with the Father again in heaven. And here's what he tells his followers. Here's what he tells um, those who are ready to carry out uh, what he's given them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus is making a promise about who we will be. He's making a promise about how we're going to get it done. And he's telling us what we are to do. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to get it done through the power of the Holy Spirit a part of the Godhead that we probably don't focus on enough, don't talk about enough. We just kind of set him over there and we, we act like he's, he's not, you know, really worthy of being talked about very much or being worshipped, but he's God. And he says he's going to empower you to carry out the mission to make my name known, the name of Jesus, around the world. And hopefully those of you that live in Haskell and Boxite weren't too offended last week and you came back this week. Um. Then he says to them to wait. We love to wait, don't we? Uh, no, I love it. I don't know who that was, but thank you for your honesty. In fact, right now you're like, when is lunch, right? We don't like to wait, but he said, wait. And so when you think about waiting, I don't know how long is a long time for you, but the wait that these people had to wait was 10 days. And the wait was for the Holy Spirit to come as promised to empower the church as Jesus had promised. They waited 10 days. About 120 believers got together. They stayed together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. And again, they waited together. And the last part of chapter 1 is where we see their waiting. And then in chapter 2, beginning of verse number 1, we see... The wait is over, that we no longer have to push pause. And may I make this point right now. Believers, church, we no longer have to wait for the Holy Spirit. He told that group to wait for 10 days. The wait is over. You and I are not waiting for the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say it's probably the other end of that today, the Holy Spirit is waiting on us. He's incredibly patient and forbearing to wait for us. We're not supposed to be waiting for him. We have him today. What we're about to read is an incredible, incredible fulfillment of promise and prophecy in Scripture. And what we're about to read about is the unique coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Listen to me very carefully. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You're like, I do? If you have confessed your sin and you have believed in Jesus to be your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. We find this all throughout the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1, the book of Romans covers it very, very clearly. that You have the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as 
gently as you want to say this or as boldly as you want to say this, just simply say right now, you're just, you're just saying it for your own benefit to grasp this. You don't have to turn to your neighbor anything. You can, you can whisper it if you want to, but just say this truth. I have the Holy Spirit. Wow. The Holy Spirit. God in us. We have him. And again, we're not waiting. They waited. We don't have to wait anymore. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the mission. So let's go. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. We're going to see how it all took place on this particular day. It says, on the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. And again, about 120 of them, okay? So a smaller group than we are today. About 120 of them were gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Um, Interesting to note that they are on the day of Pentecost. Uh, You go back 50 days earlier, you had what was the Passover, the Jewish holiday and celebration of remembering how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. If you go back several weeks ago, we went through the book of Exodus, and we talked about that, and how God delivered his people, and how they celebrated that year after year after year on Passover. It also was on the day of Passover that Jesus died on the cross for our sin to free us from the slavery that we are in to sin. So uh, so we do today, we don't celebrate Passover, we celebrate what? We celebrate Easter. Well, 50 days after Passover, Easter, comes another Jewish holiday called Pentecost. The holiday that they're celebrating is not necessarily a New Testament or Christian holiday. It's a Jewish holiday. They would get together again. They would all come to Jerusalem from all over to celebrate um, the, uh, the first fruits or the first harvest. It was a day of harvest celebration for them, 50 days after Passover or 50 days after Easter. So here we are, 50 days after Jesus has died for them, after they've celebrated Passover, after we, Easter has been established, and we see them here on the day of Pentecost. Verse number two. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. This is important. The Bible here is telling us something that happened. It's explaining a supernatural, miraculous event. And I don't mind saying as we begin reading chapter 2, it is an unusual event. And they are using words to describe it. Luke is using the word like to describe it. Have you ever experienced something you've never seen or heard before and you went back to somebody else who didn't see it and hear it and you tried to describe it? It's kind of tough, isn't it? And so you say, it's kind of like, or it's kind of like you ever gone to the Grand Canyon, you come back, and you're like, pictures don't do it, let me tell you about it, and it's kind of like. And so what Luke is trying to do here is to use words to describe to something, to describe something to us that we have never seen or heard before, something he had never seen or heard before. And so it's saying, it's like uh, the roaring of a mighty windstorm, it's like the flames of fire upon them. Verse number four. And everyone present, the believers, everyone present was 
filled, F-I-L-L-E-D. I want to make sure we're very clear on that. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. I told you it was unusual. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So here in verse number four, we see this beautiful name, Holy Spirit, twice. We're going to see it all throughout the book of Acts. About 56 times we see the name Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Holy Spirit, some of you uh, may have referred to him or heard him referred to as the Holy Ghost. Both are appropriate names. They're appropriate translations to refer to the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Either one of those names um, shouldn't cause us to fear or to tremble. They're beautiful names of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So you see this word here, filled. I want to make sure we're catching this and look at the difference between feeling... F-E-E-L-I-N-G, and filling, okay? The difference between feeling and filling. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Um, just a few more things about the Holy Spirit that are very important. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it, that's very important. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Therefore, we refer to him as he. We refer to him as a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. The Godhead being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, all very, very God. Now, here's the thing about feeling when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He may produce feelings in you, but again, he's not merely a feeling. Um, you can say, well, I, I feel bad when I do bad, and I feel good when I do good. Well, if all the Holy Spirit is is a feeling, I would say he's not very desirable. If all the Holy Spirit does for me is make me feel bad when I do bad and make me feel good when I do good, why would I even want him? In fact, I would argue that people who don't even know Jesus, don't believe in Jesus, therefore don't have the Holy Spirit, feel bad when they do bad and feel good when they do good. Can you think back before you knew Jesus? Did you feel good when you did good? Yep. Did you feel bad when you did bad? Sometimes, did you feel good when you did bad? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit is so much more than a feeling, and he's not a feeling. He may produce it. Um, what we need from the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. We need a filling, okay? We need a filling. We need to be empowered. The book of Galatians calls us to be Filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And I said this last week, and I want to say it again because I really want you to get it. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. Okay, I choose on a daily basis. You choose on a daily basis 
whether or not the Holy Spirit will fill you, empower you, control you. The Holy Spirit wants to and is capable of filling you, controlling you, empowering you every single day. But sometimes I choose, sometimes you choose to say, I don't care. I don't want to be filled. I don't want to be controlled. I want to do things my way. And we go about our business and what we desperately need in our lives is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled, to be empowered, to be controlled, to be empowered, to do what? To do what we are not capable of doing. Well, what am I not capable of doing? The mission that Jesus gave us. If you get overwhelmed when you read like Matthew chapter 28 or Acts chapter 1 where Jesus said, go and be my witnesses to the world, and you're like, I can't do that. You're exactly right. Therefore, you and I need to be filled, to be controlled, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to effectively share Jesus. We see here in verse number four that they were controlled, empowered by the Holy Spirit on that day to speak in other languages. Verse five. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Think about that for just a moment. Jerusalem was a melting pot. Jews had lived all over the world, known all kinds of languages, and now they're here in Jerusalem, all Jews, but speaking different languages from different nations. Do you see how calculated and how planned out God is when he told them early on, Acts chapter 1, go and make disciples, go and share my name to all nations. Well, he put them in Jerusalem where all the nations were, where all the nations were. And so we see an early fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, 8, right here in verse number 5, verse number 6. When they heard the loud noise, the mighty rushing wind and the, the thing that was like fire and the Holy Spirit and the speaking in different languages... When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered. Who? All the people who hadn't believed in Jesus yet, they were blown away to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. I don't know if you've ever traveled out of the country or not, or ever been in a place where the majority of people around you don't speak your language. And if you're there and you're hanging out and there's all these voices and you don't want anybody saying it, all of a sudden someone says something in your own language, aren't you immediately intrigued? Are you like, who is that? I've got to meet that person. I've got to go encounter them because, like, they speak my language. We're here with these people amongst the, the city of Jerusalem. All these different languages were going. And now these people were speaking in their language and they were very much so intrigued. Verse 7, they were completely amazed how can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Verse 9, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. Verse 10 goes on to talk about more places. Phryg Phrygia, that's how I say that one. You can say it however you want to. If y'all can, if y'all can pronounce these better, I will switch spots with you right now. Um, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, 
and we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they ask each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. So they're like you and I, they're like, what's going on here? These people that normally don't speak my language are speaking my language. Some people are willing to listen in and hear what they have to say and what they're declaring. Again, verse number 11, they're declaring the wonderful things that God has done. For some of them, they're like, you know what, I'm not going to pay any attention to them. I think they're drunk. I think they're out of their minds. And the amazing things that God has done is what they were declaring. Well, as you read chapter 2, and you try to put yourself in that spot, in that moment, as far removed as we are even today, I don't know what your reaction is to chapter 2, verse 1 through verse number 13. Uh, I think wow would be a pretty common reaction to chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. I think um, probably a lot of question marks come up as we read chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 13. Right now you may be reading this and say, I don't even know what all the questions are that I have, but I have questions uh, maybe you're reading chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 13, and you're maybe even a little bit frightened about what we're reading, and you're wondering where we're going with all of this. But ultimately, I think all of us are asking this question, what just happened there? And here's another question. Is this what it looks like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to repeat that question, then I'm going to answer it for you. Is this what it looks like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to answer that before I do. Hear me out. Here's my answer. Yes. I think chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, is what it looks like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Hear me out. Here's the big idea I want you to get. Here's where our focus really needs to be this morning, and that is this. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to speak about Jesus. I want to repeat that. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to speak about Jesus. What did the church on that day speak about? The great things God has done. What are the great things God has done? Well, we can say, well, they spoke in tongues. No, no, that's not the great things God has done today. That's pretty cool, but like the great things that God has done? God sent his one and only son to be our rescuer. That's the great thing that God has done. Jesus is his name. He died on a cross 50 days earlier for the sins of all mankind. Easter happened. The resurrection day happened. That's what they were declaring on that day. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit empowered them to do on that day is the very thing that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to do today, and that is to speak about Jesus. So, a believer who's full of the Holy Spirit is empowered to speak about Jesus. Again, don't let the miracle of these guys speaking in different languages cause you to miss the point. They spoke about Jesus. They made Jesus known. They were carrying out the mission of Jesus. 
You will be my witnesses in all nations. Whoop, all the nations are here. How do we do this? I don't know that language. Holy Spirit empowered them. They spoke in the languages that those people could understand. Again, the Holy Spirit empowers the church to speak about Jesus. Again, listen to me very carefully this morning, okay? Does that include speaking in different languages? Maybe. I want to show you a couple pictures. Um, this first picture is a friend of mine. I've known him since I was about two years old. Uh, it's a, a picture of Lynn and his wife, Brenda. Uh, last name's Rayburn. This is them in the very early 1980s. And they moved to Kenya to share Jesus. Uh, Lynn is from Alabama. And in case you didn't know it, uh, Alabaman, Alabamian is not Swahili. Are you with me? And so he went there, and they went to language school. In fact, this picture, I don't know if you can see it or not, but ultimately they're at language school. That's what that sign says there. And they are there to learn Swahili. All these years later, not only does Lynn speak fluently in Swahili, and so does his wife, Lynn goes so as far that he actually dreams a lot of the time in Swahili. And he speaks, as far as I know, he speaks five languages fluently. Now, I'm in awe of that because I butcher the English language all the time. In fact, on my trip to Peru uh, um, a few months ago, uh, we had, tr you know, translators with us, and I was so grateful for that because, you know, I I've got, you know, um, hola and gracias. That's about all I got. Are you with me? I just, I'm, I'm not a language guy necessarily. I just don't. I felt bad. Here I am amongst these people. And then I'm meeting these 14, 15-year-old young people who are Peruvian, and I'm waiting on the translator, and they just start speaking to me in English. And I'm like, I'm a loser. I'm a total loser. So there's Lynn. I'll show you another picture. You're going to recognize the name that I'm going to give you. Um, but this picture is of a group of people that Chase Reynolds uh, meets with on a periodical basis throughout the year. Chase Reynolds is a missionary in Indonesia that we support and that we pray for and that we come alongside of. He actually leads a team of people that are working on six different languages. Chase and his team have gone in and created a written language for a group of people that did not have a written language. Now let me ask you this. Do you think Lynn and Chase would appreciate you asking for the Holy Spirit to fill them so they can carry out their mission in these other parts of the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. They totally would appreciate that. What I say that the Holy Spirit has empowered them and helped them to accomplish what they've accomplished, my answer is, is yes. What if, listen to me, what if the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak a different language immediately on the spot so that they can make Jesus known, what would you say? Let me tell you what I would say. Praise the Holy Spirit. Why? Because our mission is to what? Make who? Jesus known. Okay? 
on the day of Pentecost, an amazing thing happened. Now, you may be wondering, well, Kyle, have you ever experienced this? Yes. I lived and preached in Memphis for 11 years. If you think you don't have to have the Holy Spirit to empower you to speak the English language the appropriate way in Memphis, Tennessee, then you've never hung out in Memphis very much. Now, we're supposed to laugh really, really big on that one, but some of you are really nervous right now because of what we're talking about. Let me tell you what we're talking about right now. We're not talking about speaking in other languages as much as we are talking about making Jesus known. And if that makes you nervous, then you are missing everything that we are about. We are to make Jesus known. Well, this whole language thing and the Holy Spirit doesn't need to happen. Does it need to happen in Benton today? Again, some of y'all are really, really nervous right now. I can sense it. I can feel it. Here's my answer. Yes. But we all speak the same language. Yeah, correct. We do. So let me ask you this. Which one is the greater thing? Going into an environment to speak a different language and the Holy Spirit empowering you to speak so people can hear about Jesus and receive him, or going into an environment like today where everyone speaks the same language and the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak to the people in such a way that they hear Jesus and they respond to Jesus. Which one's the greater thing? Did you hear what I just asked? Which one's the greater thing? Which one's the more powerful thing that happens? I say that if Jesus decides to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to declare Jesus and people hear him and know him, something amazing has happened. So I don't know if you realize, realize how desperate I am in this moment right now before you and how I will be any other Sunday that I get to stand up before any group of people that gathers to proclaim the name of Jesus, how desperate I am for the Holy Spirit to empower me to use language, to use phrases, to use words, to use stories in such a way that people hear about Jesus, understand Jesus, and respond to Jesus. So I don't know if you're making the connection here or not, but the Holy Spirit empowers the church to speak about Jesus. How many times have you gone to church? I'm talking to believers, maybe even unbelievers. You've gone to church and it was just kind of you were there doing your time. You were, you were checking in and you were checking out and you were at church, way to go, and Jesus was not made known to you. Jesus was not made known to you. Maybe Jesus was talked about, but he wasn't clear to you. You see, I can talk about Jesus all day long, but without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we miss Jesus. We, you and I, are desperate for the Holy Spirit so that we can speak in our English language and make Jesus known. So would you pray for me in that? Like, there are people that show up here that don't want to hear about Jesus. You're like, really? Yeah, there's people that like just come because you invited them and they feel bad if they say no, and so they come. 
Guess what I need? I need the power of the Holy Spirit to speak in such a way on that day that they hear about Jesus, know Jesus, and receive Jesus. It's a daunting task. Do you need the Holy Spirit to empower your tongue? Yes. You have neighbors and you have friends that need to hear about Jesus. And guess what you need to share Jesus with them? The power of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, that is to have the boldness and the courage to go talk to them. Some of, for some of you, it's just to have the words to say, to speak to them. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do you need the Holy Spirit to empower your tongue? Yes. For some of you, you have a terrible habit of using foul language in your everyday conversation. You need the Holy Spirit to control your tongue. For some of you, you have a bad habit of talking bad about others. Social media accounts. You need the Holy Spirit to control you and your language. Some of us have a terrible habit of being sharp with our wives at home. We need the Holy Spirit. Some have a terrible habit of talking bad about your church, your pastors, or other Christians. We need the Holy Spirit. You have been given a mission. Go and tell the world about Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. We have been given a mission. Go and tell the world about who? Go and tell the world about who? Who? Okay. All right. I got to make sure because like for a moment there, I felt like y'all were just like, what's he talking about right now? I'm really worried about this whole Holy Spirit thing. We should not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to lead you or empower you to do something you should not do. Now, you may do something you shouldn't do, but that won't be the Holy Spirit's fault. And I'm not going to stand up here right now and say, should about a Honda. Are you with me? So be at ease right now. But what I am going to do, do right now is stand up here and in your language, to the best of my ability, share Jesus with you so that if you already know Jesus, you will go out and do the same. And so that if you don't know Jesus, hopefully you'll hear him and receive him today. The Holy Spirit has empowered us, the church, to speak about Jesus. Um, I think Paul probably says it best, um, for me anyway, to express to you uh, my heart in all of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 19. Man, just such rich, rich words. Paul, he says, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Do you hear the heart of Paul there? I just want to make Jesus known. I don't want to impress you with my linguistic skills. I don't want to wow you with my knowledge. If I could just speak five words to help you know Jesus, I'd rather speak just five words than to speak thousands of other words that you don't understand, that don't connect with you, that you can't hear, that you can't comprehend, that you can't respond to. 
The Holy Spirit empowers the church to speak about Jesus. In case you haven't figured it out, we're serious about the mission that Jesus gave us in Scripture. We're serious about it. If you're like, I want to be a part of this church, then what you're saying yes to is being a part of the mission that Jesus gave us. And his mission is to make him known. I cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. They waited for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit today still empowers his people to carry this mission out, and that's to speak the name of Jesus. So really, um, among the many things that I've said, one next step for you to consider this morning, and that is this. Just to realize your need of the Holy Spirit in your life. To realize the need of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, here's the deal. If you believe in Jesus and you have not yet understood, accepted the mission on your life, you're probably like, what do I need the Holy Spirit for? But if you're a believer and you understand that this is your mission, right now you're like, yeah, I am desperate for the Holy Spirit. I have no idea how I'm going to engage in a conversation with my neighbor about him. That scares me to death. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the verses. I don't know what all to say. You're desperate for the Holy Spirit right now in your life, and you need him. You need him. Realize that need. Allow him to fill you and control you. Again, you don't need more of him. He lives inside of you. You need to give him more of you. Allow him to control your brain, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, your tongue to use you to make Jesus known. Maybe you realize you need the Holy Spirit in your life today because you're not a believer. You're someone who has not yet received Jesus yet. And you heard me earlier say if you've believed in Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit, wow, the the. the the power of him in our lives to do what we're called to do, to make us who we are. If you're a child of God today, it's because the Spirit of God made you a child of God. The children of God in this room this morning, we are not children of God because we've done good and because we showed up to church and because we gave and because we did this and because we did that. We're the children of God today because of the Spirit of God lives inside of us. We believed in Jesus, the Spirit came in, wiped away the old, gave us the new, put us in the righteousness of Christ. We have right relationship with the Father because of the Spirit. We have the hope and the assurance of heaven. We have help today to live, to do life, to be married, to raise children, to go about work, to carry out our mission. That's what we have in the Holy Spirit of God. So, so much. And I just touched the surface so if you don't know Jesus today, you don't have the Holy Spirit today, and it's who we have in our lives as believers. We have God in our lives, and we want you to experience him as well. And oh, church, church, if we really want other people to have that, we're going to share him. And if we're going to share him effectively, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to pray. And um, we're going to um, finish this prayer and just, just seated where you are, not even standing. 
we're going to have some music that's going to play, and it's just going to be kind of quiet in the room for a few moments for you just to consider your need of the Holy Spirit in your life today and respond to him by saying, I want you, I need you, and allow him to control you. Let's pray.